Hi, I'm Jack. And I'm Kevin. This is Good Company in the Car. Can't help it, the girl can't help it. Can't help it, the girl can't help it. She walks by, the men folks can't even grow. So on Sundays, uh, it's a tradition for me. It's a day of worship, Kevin. It's the day the Lord hath made. On um, public radio, they have a show called Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me. And... Uh, it's it's a it's a game show. They usually host it from an auditorium in Chicago, and Peter Sagel's the normal host. It wasn't him today. And they have a panel of they're usually entry level, mid table comedians or writers or whatever humorists. Your Paula Poundstone's on there all the time. So just now we listened to it, and Jack had never heard it before, and um, he was enjoying it. And then he said just now he's like, "What was that game show you maybe listened to earlier?" And I'm <laughs> I'm drawing a blank. And I was like, "Oh, I'm like wait wait don't tell me." I know I said, wait, wait, don't tell me. He's like, don't worry, I won't. So I gave it a few more beats, and I said, it's wait, wait, don't tell me. And he's like, oh, that's the name of it. Uh, I thought he was screwing with me. He's Kevin like, likes to screw with me in a subtle manner. Well, it's very funny. I was so funny because I couldn't understand what was going on. I'm like, wait, wait, don't tell me. And you're like, I'm not, I won't. Well, and, and I thought, well, and the, then, re- then, <laughs> the show is good, but that's not what it was all about. The funny part is, is good company in the car. Listeners will know that I have auditory hallucinations. There are certain times when I think I hear music or particular sounds, and they're always very, uh, very soft and in the background. And of course, I, <laughs> this is a sign of insanity, but that's not what it is. So often, as I've told, I think God. voices is no, I don't hear, no, 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 I don't hear voices. No, 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 I don't hear voices. When it gets issue-y. No, Let no, me no. know when no. you start hearing voices. my therapist, them. wait, what? You hear voice? No, no, I don't hear voices. Yeah, that's the bad so one. So the funny, it's usually like if there's a, if there's a, if there's a generic background noise, like a hum or a, or whatever, in that hum or that that no, I will hear music, and it's never like it's never like it's always the same. So usually when I go to bed at night and I've got fans and air conditioners and the sleep machine, uh-huh. I will hear music, yeah. and it's never the same. It's not like it's classical. Sometimes it's pop. Sometimes it's classical. Sometimes it's country. Uh-huh. Sometimes it's you know, and it, and it's not a tune I know necessarily, but it's it's pretty. a jukebox you have no control exactly, over. and it's and it's. You know, it's in my mind, or it's whatever. It's whatever my hearing is hearing that I don't know. So uh, that is the backstory on this story. So we are w- listening to. Wait, 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 wait! Don't tell me. Wait, wait! Don't tell me. And they were getting towards the end of it, and music was slowly. The guy was talking, and I could slowly hear music yeah, coming bringing up into the bed. it. <laughs> and I'm like, and I was happened to be driving, and I'm like. Do I hear music? Because, you know, obviously, good company in the car knows, I will tell you, I hear music sometimes. It's mm-hmm. not there. And you smell weed a lot. I smell weed a lot. I think it's. A, I think I'm paranoid about Olfactory that. Olfactory hallucination anyway, as well. Yeah, there you Olfactory go. Olfactory auditory. There you as go. As long as you're not hearing voices. So, yeah, another day. Yeah, yeah. So, what? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. That was for my own little pleasure there. Uh. Anyway, so... The guy's talking, and I can hear music in the background. And I look to Kevin, and I go, please tell me you hear music. And he goes, what? I don't hear any music. <laughs> and I'm like, you don't hear music right now. And he actually made me like 
yell at him. <laughs> yes, I hear the music. Because yeah. in my mind, I'm like, great. Now it's the middle of the day and I'm driving a car and I'm hearing music in the background. It was very, very it funny. It was funny. And that, um, wait, wait, don't tell me. I was telling you one of the, they, they do a couple of funny, silly games. One of them is like current events. But one of them is a caller calls in and they have to guess which of three made up stories is real. One of them's real. Two of them are made up. But all of them so far sound so far fetched they couldn't possibly be real. And we came in at the very end, and the real story was that in Germany they are running a limited edition mustard flavored Skittle. That was the real one. <laughs> that was the real. Oh, see, one. I wasn't paying that much attention. Oh, that's that really, was really the funny. real one. So it's it's funny, and and if you win, then the the announcer does your your answer. You know, point. and that's that's another thing. That's a sign of age for me. Is as much time as I spend in a car. I'm listening to books and and spoken things, yeah. podcasts and stuff more than music. Yeah, it was always, always, always music. Yeah, I'm always so. listening to crime. So, so this is, <laughs> I know it's very funny. So this is this is kind of funny. I had to uh, the car I use for work. I had to. I had an accident in the other one, and I'm driving another one right and now. And that's another reason I get nervous when you're driving. <laughs> but I got hit. It wasn't my fault. Anyway, I was getting the car situated for my use. You know, making sure all the things that I need in my car are in my car. And I have uh, old school Sirius. <clears throat> I have the little unit. It, you know, it's the little. Uh, <laughs> Nobody uh, knows what that is, Reach. <laughs> the I know. I'm kidding. I know. No. no you're That's actually, not that old. No, 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 because most people have use it on the app on their phones now. But anybody see, over the age of 15 is going to know what that is. I, when Sirius first came out, got the lifetime uh, uh, subscription. subscription. Yeah. So if it was a one-time cost of, I don't even know, 1500 a 1000 I don't even, I, it was a ridiculous amount of money, but I'm like, I'm going to use this. So I got, so technically... I am still riding the gravy on Sirius. Yeah. I have a I have a device that's you know I can move from car to car to car. Anyway, so I was putting my Sirius in this this new car. So you have to open and put the antenna, and you have to run it through the car and the not, wires that, and all that. Kind not of a stuff. terribly dangerous thing. Not to a do. dangerous thing. But now, <laughs> hold now, on, everybody. <laughs> this is why it's this is why it's particularly funny. So I'm in this new vehicle. It happens to be a SUV, and I'm opening the door or coming in or. out out of the car and I slammed the car on my wrist <laughs> and I'm like I am so stupid I couldn't pull my hand out of the door fast and I don't know why I did it it's it not sounds like, painful it was it was it was mildly painful but you know I'm a man it didn't hurt you know so <laughs> your dad uh, I'm a real man yeah, I'm a real man that's my dad you get hit or so that hurt I'm a real man that's my dad saying. <laughs> anyway and he kind of was <laughs> he was he actually was he is a bricklayer so uh so I'm putting the serious in the car because I'm going to be in this i'm going to be in this suv for a while until my car gets fixed you know obviously and uh i put the antenna and i'm running it along the tailgate or the the hatchback thing on the back and i wasn't thinking and i had my right hand in the, where the door shut mm -hmm. and i didn't realize and i closed Ugh. the tailgate on my thumb and it hurt so bad but here's the funny part. It was my right hand on the driver's side, and I was standing on the side of the vehicle looking forward. Uh -huh. So my right hand is attached to the vehicle. The 
hatch, I had to turn around backwards with my thumb stuck in the door. I had to turn all the way around backwards and put my back against the tailgate to reach around to get the thing to open the Oh, lift. my God. I can, the visual you just gave me. I know. <laughs> See, it's it, it's so ridiculous. And the funny, to me, it was funny. It did hurt. It yeah. hurt like a motherfucker. Yeah. But it, you know... It's fine. I'm wiggling my thumb up in the air for yeah, Kevin. No, he's he's it's fine. Like, he's fine. Everybody, probably, folks. I'm probably, it bled. It was really nasty. It was really scary. But I will probably, either the nail will go black or, you know, that, you know, when you smash your finger, your nail well, gets messed up. You were going to have do all your other uh, nails in black, too, to just hide it. <laughs> you look like Freddie Mercury. So this, is why, so this is why I brought this up. To me, this is particularly the, the funny. The movie reference you make is funny. The, yeah. So... A friend, I'm on a group chat with uh, three Kevin and two other friends, three, four, or four of us in this chat, and I said, and I showed a picture, and I was like, "Look at my dumbass! I slammed my thumb in the tailgate of the truck," and this friend of ours, who means perfectly well, I know her name rhymes with ham, <laughs> so ham goes. You should fill out a workman's comp claim. And we're all chuckling. And I'm like, for <laughs> what? And she And then it dawned on you several sec texts later. Oh my god, she's fucking serious. I thought she was I thought it was a joke. Like, too. you know, well that's your that's your car for work, that's this, that that. And I'm like, I just I it, it would have been no different of catching my thumb in a drawer or catching my thumb in a in the copy i don't know it and it just seemed really silly to me and she was serious yeah she was and i think it hurt her feelings that i was being kind of like for what what would i possibly <laughs> do a workman's comp thing and she was being oh you know, nerve damage just that and, everything. and i understand i guess concern of my health and i that is actually very yeah, sweet I mean, yeah, but very all good. i could yeah. picture first of all so when i told my boss that i had done this because you know i wanted to make him aware and he goes you're supposed to take your hand out of the opening before you close the, the door. That was the first thing he said. And then I made a crack about I'm going to call I'm going to start calling it Christine that it's trying to eat That's me, you really, know. You got to explain what Christine, Christine is. Christine, yeah, nobody knows what that is, Regis. Christine was a book written by Stephen King about a 1950 something Plymouth Fury who somehow or another becomes possessed or yep. it, mm -hmm. it is a it is a spirit. Like it it chops off someone's hand on the assembly line and it kills the owner's wife and kids and like th yeah. th this car is so it, jealous. It was a big hit movie it was in the a, 80s. And, and it was made into a movie and it was a huge hit and so, so that's your, your SUV is trying to kill you. My SUV is trying to kill me. I'm going to call it Christine and when I made the mention to my assistant, you know, my boss and then the assistant manager, she was like what do you think? Well, I don't know what that is. Oh. And I'm like, oh my god! I gotta tell you, several, several episodes back i made that thing about mash and you're like nobody under, nobody knows what nobody's that gonna is. get that i, I you, i'm shocked at how many times you were right three out of four times if the person is under 35 30 years of age yeah. i'll be like you ever heard of yeah. a show called mash they'll be i'll get a lot of i've heard of it or my dad watches it but i also get a lot of never heard of it never well, yeah, heard of mash. the other thing never is, is, I, never heard of i've it. heard that's a vietnam name a vietnam thing and i'm like well close but no yeah okay so, so you know things change it's a fast and furious world but the christine and, reference is funny you've got all yeah. your digits and we're I have all dive, my digits and we're diving into some crime diving into some now crime. this is a new series from a and e that i really like and it's just called interrogation raw Oof. and what they do is wait 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 a and e 
Interrogation Raw. Season one, episode 12, Interrogation Raw. Season one, episode 12. Interrogation Raw. Interrogation Raw. There is no narrator. They just um, run interview segments with explanatory text connecting them. It will say, and then John was later arrested for possession. He pled not guilty. I like it because it's streamlined. It's very streamlined, and then it'll go right to the next interview with the person. So... We start out in Romulus, New York, which is in the Finger Lakes region of upstate New York. It is about 75 miles as the crow flies northwest of Norwich. So, so it's cold and dreary. It's cold and dreary. But it's on the lake. It's the Finger Lakes, which, if you look at them, look guess... exactly like a hand. <laughs> they do. I held my hand up. I held my hand up. <laughs> one of the, one of the Finger Lakes is kind of bruised right now. <laughs> kind of swollen with there flood was, water. There was an oil spill on one of the lakes. <laughs> So it's Thursday, November 20th, 2008, and again, we get a very believable 911 call. 911, what's your emergency? Yes, uh, I'm at 85 Yale Farm Road. I think I need an ambulance. Okay, what's going on? The truck fell on my stepson. The truck fell on your stepson? Yes, and we just got home. And I don't think he's alive. Okay, he's pinned underneath the uh, truck? Yeah, my husband's lifting up the truck. His chest is crushed. So that woman sounds reasonably upset. She's not fake upset. Because she's, she's re- legitimately She's legitimately yeah. legitimately upset. It was Cindy Carlson. And they have just found their stepson Levi crushed under a car he was working on. He was just 23 years old, and he was trying to get his life back online. He had a fairly troubled childhood. He was just five years old when his mother perished in a house fire back in California. So he and his two sisters moved to upstate New York with their father and stepmother, Cindy. I got to say one thing before all of this. They moved from California. They got out of upstate New York. This guy got out of upstate New York (laughs) and and went back. back. What are you crazy? He's criminal. They should have locked him uh, up for that alone. Listen, you know, there's certain things that I judge people on, uh-huh. and I know it's horrible because you're not supposed to judge people on. This yeah, man, the father, Carl <laughs> Carlson, uh-huh. has crazy eyes. Okay, you see he, that at the end in, mostly in his in his in his uh, one. Uh, uh, well, you can't give it away too early. Oh, well, in the one picture, he yeah. is looking at the camera, and you're like, he's going to jump right out and kill me. So. <laughs> so we learned Levi was recently divorced with two daughters, and he worked at a glass factory. So now we jump ahead to February 2nd, 2012. It's three and a half years after Levi's death is ruled an accident. Here is Under Sheriff John Clear, and he received a call from Levi's cousin, Jackie Heimel. She said she had heard from Carl's second wife, Cindy Carlson, and that Cindy had told her that she had left her husband and that she was afraid he was going to come after her and that she believed that her husband had killed his son, Levi. It was really kind of hearsay at that point, but we decided to take another look at it nonetheless. So yeah, Cindy has left Carl, and she told Jackie that she feared for her life and she believed that Carl had killed his son. It's creepy. So the cops reopen the case, and immediately they see a huge red flag, and this is what they found. This is that weirdness of, like, the person... I I know I've said this before. The person that's going to get away with a crime, Mm -hmm. whatever it is, is the person that doesn't talk about it. Well, I don't think he did. Well, you, I think he... 
became too comfortable, I, and therefore I, the, the, I think the Cindy step, pieced some together. I don't think that's Carl what I'm ever, saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I don't think it's because Carl was talking, running his mouth about it, saying, "Well, he wasn't apparently a very nice person." No, he's a dick. But this yeah. is what they found. 17 days before the death of Levi, Carl takes Levi up to a bank and he takes out a life insurance policy on Levi, but with a rider that makes the value of life insurance policy of $700,000. When I first reviewed the report from 2008, there was no mention of an insurance policy. So what a coincidence, 17 days before Levi's death, his father took out an over $700,000 life insurance policy on him. And Carl is the sole beneficiary. And he has collected that $700,000. How did no one know about Now to know it? How did, how did, how did, how did that know? get past knowledge? And that was not in the initial investigation. They didn't know anything about this life insurance. And to make matters worse, Carl has spent the money frivolously. He has not saved any of the money for Levi's daughters, his granddaughters. So now the cops really got to look at him. Of that money, Carl just spent money freely and didn't put away any savings for Levi's kids. We realize we need to take a look at this Carl Carlson and see what this person's really like. Now we are in March 2012, a little over a month later, and the investigators learn about the house fire back in California <laughs> that killed his first wife. Okay, we got stuff for one. Oh second. no, this is just I, I don't I don't want to say greed is not the right word. I, yeah, but these people they'll get away with something and they think they're well they're that 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 I, you yeah, can't but, ever but, but, go back. Well. You keep. We're not leaving any mystery to the episode because we're pretty much. I'm sorry. This is okay. Go ahead. So now we are in March 2012, and the investigators learn about a house fire. It took the life of Carl's first wife, 30-year-old Christina, back in California. In 1991, Carl and Christina lived with their three children in a very small house on a very rural property in the woods. Carl said that the children were down for a nap, and that Christina was taking a bath. Carl was out in a work shed, and he hears the screams. He just said he managed to rescue his children and pull them out of their windows of their bedrooms. But he was driven back by the flames and the heat when he tried to rescue his wife. So Carl gave three different stories of how that fire started, and he was only able to save the children by pulling them out through the window. They later learned that Christina died of smoke inhalation when she couldn't exit the house. The only thing that investigators found out of place was that the window and the bathroom had been boarded up. Carl claims that he had boarded this window up because the window was broken. Uh, He used 17 nails. So yeah, he used 17 (laughs) nails to secure the window. So in my research... 17 nails? In my research, this was not an actual house. This was like a a, a shed Uh that was on the property. It wasn't like a a proper house. Why were they sleeping in it? It didn't have... Well, because apparently they didn't have any money, blah, blah, blah. Oh. the, The house was really technically not fit for habitation. It didn't have running water. Gross. It didn't have a variety of... Of, uh, 
I think it did have electricity, but like it was cold. There was no heat. The oh, heat geez. was limited. So, so the the fact that this window was boarded up, while yes, it does sound very suspect. Mm-hmm. I think a, a boarded over window would be better in, out the, place. in the bathroom than, yeah, than the they, wind they whistling like, through. The seventeen nails was overkill. Oh, I agree. I agree. So I agree. surprise, surprise, she had life insurance in the amount of one hundred and fifty thousand dollars. Carl took that money and like a fool he moved back to upstate new york so the lead investigator in the california investigation was super frustrated that carl had gotten away with this he was pretty sure carl had set the fire Yeah, it's it's you know these you know these detectives and they've got their gut instinct and 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 there's and there's a fine line between somebody who wants to nail somebody for uh-huh. something and the the cop that wants to nail somebody for something because they don't like them uh-huh. or the cop that knows, knows that the he person did it. did it, but they can't prove it exactly. So the investigator supervisor said, let it go. He's New York's problem now. But when the New York investigators contacted him, he's like, I've got all the shit. I photocopied it. It's in my house. You want it? And boom, it was there. Didn't he say something like, I've been waiting for this day? I've been waiting so- for this phone yeah. call. Yes. The investigator said he was told, Carl went to New York, he's New York's problem now, and we're not putting the money into this case anymore. Just let it go. But he then said that he photocopied every single record, and they're in a box in my basement. Clearly, the investigators in New York were grateful. So nine months after they began their investigation or reinvestigation into Levi's death, they bring Carl in for his first interview. And here is the raw interrogation, as the name of the show suggests. The day that my son died, her and I, we had a funeral to go to. Left at 11.30, quarter 12, somewhere like that. It was on the other side of Seneca Lake. Um, Son was there. He helped me. We were working on the truck, changing the transmission lines, brake lines, the whole nine yard. Um, Went in, gave him some money, left. Went in where? Went in the garage, okay? And um, so we got done with it, you know, talked to him, said goodbye. And um, so then we uh, left, come back a little after four, and went out there and found him. What do you mean you found him? I found him dead. The truck was on him. Um, They come in, tried doing CPR, Mm -hmm. and he was already gone. Um, Went down to the hospital. we weren't at all surprised he was sticking to the story. You know, a lie stuck to becomes the truth, right? If he doesn't falter off that, it makes it difficult for us to put the case together. So Carl plays it cool for a long time. And at one point, I think he decides he's got to tear up a little bit to make it convincing. And he does that stupid, I didn't think you guys could get that out of me that that you remember i don't but but see to me i don't understand so was this just uh he was in there this was like a casual questioning thing yeah and they were just asking about the day and then they asked him what happened and then he he he, and i think at some point he's like i've got to act emotional to come across as convincing and he he starts to tear up a little bit and when we learn what was going on it was a complete act and the they were I'm not gonna say good cop bad cop but the They're, one cop but they did was, yeah they kind of did but do that, that was kind of what yeah the it, one cop was being it's really, amazing how often that yeah. works and again I know I know I've said this before if you are innocent mm-hmm. if you are legitimately innocent aren't you gonna be 
upset, angry to to yeah. say I didn't. Do- no, I mean everybody. I everybody reacts differently, but this this was not this was not I good. I just you killed. I did not. I just yeah. can't imagine. I just can't imagine. No, it's it's not good stuff. That was investigator Jeff Arnold. He was here for most of the show. And the other guy is under Sheriff John Clear. We hear some very clever police interview work from John Clear here coming up. He does a really good job at this. Come on. You're that close, man. You're close. Come on. Let it out. Let it out. I could tell. He's he's ready to tell me something really big here. And um, gave him all the encouragement I could. Come on. I'll walk with you if you do. What are you going to do for me? I'm going to stand up and say this wasn't premeditated, cold-blooded murder. That it was just something that happened. It happens sometimes, Carl. That's what I'll do for you. I opened the truck door. Okay. When they did it. out with his final version that he caused the truck to fall on his son and then basically walked out and left him dying on the floor. So yeah, Carl tries to say it was an accident and that it wasn't premeditated. But of course, once we learn about the life insurance that he bought two weeks before this death. and, and It's and, so unlikely too for a parent to buy life insurance on an adult child. Why yes. would you do that? Doesn't make any sense whatsoever. On top of that, Clear says to him, "So you shut the door. It was an accident, right? And he, I didn't put the box down. It crushes your son. You don't do anything. You leave him there. You go with your wife to this funeral you were going to at the other end of the lake. You come back a few hours later and you pretend to be surprised that he's under the car. You didn't try to help him at all when the car fell on him when it was an accident. And he's like, I was scared. He, it didn't make any sense that he yeah. just left him there." So here is Arnold again, and he doesn't pull any punches when he describes Carlson. Carl Carlson is a sociopath, pathetic human being, and he was a budding serial killer. I think he derived a high from murder. I think he enjoyed it. So in 2013, five years after Levi's death, he was convicted of second-degree murder. I don't know how. Why is that not first degree? Uh, it was premeditated as hell. Well, but it's one of those one. It's one of those things where can they prove? I still don't understand how all this crap works. So I think it's a matter of like what they. Well, we will have too much difficulty getting first degree, but we can definitely get yep. second degree. Get him kind on of second thing. degree. Yeah. They ship his ass back to California. He's convicted of first degree murder and the death of his first wife, and he's sentenced to life in prison, where he is rotting to this day. Did you see yeah. a picture of him standing there with a walker? Yes. I'm like, what the fuck's that all about? Well, you know, they get old, and you know, he thought he was smarter than the system. Yeah. So you know, I think so. <clears throat> I don't really have. Well, wait, wait, wait. Okay. Did you get the very end? What Arnold said? We'll say it. He had life insurance policies on his granddaughters. Oh, no. I missed. How did I miss that? And he was like, they were next. Oh, wow. Yeah. No, I totally, totally, They were like, totally he was a that. nascent serial killer. They were like, 
he had all the hallmarks for being a burgeoning serial killer, and they were convinced, the investigators, that if oh, they hadn't caught him, no. those granddaughters were next. Is that chilling? That is absolutely horrible. I, I, that, I missed that. Oh, I don't know God. how I missed that. Yep. Wow. So, uh, yeah, so when you have that photo, his mugshot at the end when you're pointing out his crazy yeah. eyes. Yeah, he's a real monster. He's truly a monster. And what little I could find, what little I could find on, again, we're, we're dealing with older people. And so, like, when we're doing this show 10 years from now, we're yeah. going to be able to find all this stuff online about these people. So, apparently, uh, Carl Carlson was a... Uh, a hot-tempered, angry man, and he took out a lot of his... Aggressions? Uh, on uh, Levi. Oh, So okay. Levi had a very troubled childhood because Carl was the one being uh, rough on him. Abusive. And I guess he got into some trouble, but he had, like, the cops even said he had straightened his life out, mm-hmm. he was on the right path, he was doing what he had to do, yeah. he was trying to take care of his kids, he had a good job, he was trying to do he the He probably right thing. grew up, though, knowing that there was a lot of suspicion about his dad setting that fire, too. Possibly. But the fact that your <laughs> that your wife, that your stepwife, your current wife leaves you because... Contacts I con- think he killed his son. Can you how imagine how f- if he's willing to kill his son, he's going to kill you? Yeah, yeah. She would have been killed. And he I bet you he had life insurance on her. Probably. I'll bet you had insurance on her. Now, see, it's so funny to me because I grew up thinking life insurance was a smart, sound thing to have to protect yourself in the event of the loss of somebody in your family. Yeah. Now, isn't that horrible? But, yeah, but I thought that's how it's supposed to work, well, right? Exactly. <laughs> Are because, you getting kind of skewed from all of these? Well, I definitely in but because I'm, I'm always thinking because you know i i have to put all this on my you know on my relatives the, the older relatives i have you know my mom and dad both had life insurance i told you i had a life insurance policy mm-hmm. i still have the policy now yeah and it's it, you know and i got it when we were living in florida so i was in like third or fourth grade i remember the insurance agent brought me a little per- birthday present Cute. and stuff you know so to me, life insurance is not a thing. It's 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 to be used to insure life. It's not to it's not to do what Carl did with it. Well, of course, but like I said, these policies, especially the ones like the one I have, the one that my parents had on me, it's specifically to pay. F- Literally, it's to pay for burial. Yeah. It's like 10, 15, 20, I think that one's like a $20,000 policy. It's enough to pay for a burial. Mm-hmm. And uh, so it's funny when you see these life insurance policies, seven, eight, a million, two million, it's like, wow. What's that about? Yeah. But Especially see, but, when someone's being insured for way more than they're worth as like a that's, money. And see, that was what I was going to say. It, it would be one thing if you like, you know, if you are a millionaire, you really don't need a life insurance policy like yeah. that. You've got all that other stuff. So it's just... It, it, and you're not going to have a lot of burial expenses. Me? Yeah. Oh, good Lord, no. I want to be burned and spread. Where? In the water. Ta-da! The ocean. In the ocean. To be Throw specific. me in the ocean. So every time you get in the water, I can swim around you and hug you. <laughs> Let's just end on that. Exactly. <laughs> or a war Someday, the ass will be the girl can't have it. She's in love with me.